hello and welcome to episode 6 of the Southcast for this season. Myself, Glyn Price, and we are united again. I'm joined by Ollie Warner. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Yeah, good to have you back. Good to have us um, both back for, yeah, the, our first kind of first proper podcast of the year in terms of games and stuff. It's all it's fun doing the pre-season, but um, it's nothing like getting stuck into some games and seeing some action. Yeah, I do personally feel like we're right back at it. This is like the first proper pod now of the season, isn't it? And yeah. we've learned a lot through pre-season, obviously going to the games and, and the podcast you guys did last week was really good. I listened to that while I was in uh, sunny, sometimes rainy Bavaria last week. And um, thanks to Nathan for joining you last week. I thought he was really good and, and bringing yeah. us some, some interesting thoughts on the first game. But yeah, it feels like, you know, we're two games in now. We both watched the game yesterday um, and yeah, lots to discuss, I suppose. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely lots of talking points. So, yeah, so you went to the game, so obviously you've got a different perspective, and, and um, I watched the game back. I follow now actually released the game um, in adv- much quicker, so actually yeah. I watched the whole game um, today in parts, um, broke it all up because it wasn't the greatest of games, um, <laughs> so I kind of cut it up a little bit. But, yeah, that was good. And, yeah, interesting, iFollow has um, highlights now as well. So this, I'd say, yeah, iFollow is getting better, obviously slightly controversial at times, um, in certain ways, in terms of obviously Saturday games and things like that, but mm. a good service. Um, and you watched it out. You watched the game out when you were on holiday as well, didn't you, Glenn? So you got a, a sense of the first game this season, which was good. Yeah, I think you know. As I said, I listened to the podcast last week, and there wasn't too much I could disagree with. And I think a, a few of the points that you guys made last week, in terms of some of the positives and some of the potential negatives we might have down the line, maybe bore themselves out a little bit in the Milton Keynes game we're going to cover. So yeah, I think iFollow is is really useful. I think you know if you if you're an exile, it's a fantastic service. You've now got full video of every game with the live commentary, which is maybe a two second delay. But that's not a huge problem and you get replays and I think the whole package has come on a lot from last year yeah you're right it's still controversial if they start showing every Saturday three o'clock kickoff it's going to be a disaster there's also an issue with the bigger clubs um, fans not travelling to away games potentially and and if Sunderland for example sold I don't know 3,000 I follow passes for a game at Accrington you know the Accrington chairman's been pretty clear that they receive no money from that so it doesn't something about that doesn't seem quite right yeah. um, but I'm sure it's, it's, a, it's a sort of bedding in process over the years and as long as they don't kill that blackout period too much I think it'll probably be a, a decent a companion thing for most fans really in a season I guess yep no yep definitely mm. interesting but yeah as I say I went to the game like yesterday Ollie and um, yeah it, my first live game of the season in terms of the league and um, yeah I thought I thought it was good and some interesting things came out of it so I guess the best place to start is uh, Milton Keynes away Ollie Tini's ball in they're dangerous and set pieces and that's cracked in as well looks like Drummond got the final touch to it and Shrewsbury Town are ahead within three minutes so, Milton Keynes dons one, um, Shrewsbury Town nil, um, just under 8,000 um, fans and watched the game. Yeah. Um, unfortunate to concede in the 93rd minute, bit of a sucker punch. Um, and they've put it down as a, a, a goal for um, for their player, but I don't see how that can be the case. It's definitely an own goal. Um, sorry, Ebanks. Um, but yeah, yeah, it definitely was an own goal. Um, in terms of teams, <laughs> so there was only one change from last week. So O'Leary's in goal, Williams, Ebanks, Landall and Pierre in defence, Love and Giles as and wing-backs, and Vancelo um, as the kind of sitting player, Edwards yep. and McCormick in midfield, and Worley came in to replace Okunibiri for Morrison, and we'll come on to Worley quite a bit because he had quite a presence in the game. Um, and yeah, he, so that was the one change to the team, and, and obviously one change as well, Glyn, is um, you saw Shrewsbury line up in the purple kit, so what, what did it look like in the flesh, and obviously seeing the Shrewsbury run out in that kit, what was your thoughts? I like it. 
As I say, my, my son was there wearing your full short socks and um, and and shirt yesterday. He's got the full purple kit, and he which is acceptable loves it. because he's a kid. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say over the age of what is it, fifteen? I think it becomes unacceptable. But um, yeah, so he he was loving that kit, and um, they look really good in it. It is a nice looking kit, isn't it? We we did mention it when the kits got announced, in in that that's my preference of the two kits. Yeah, I've got one summer. as well. So yeah. I brought the, fur, the the purple one, and also brought one for my brother. It's a little surprise for him. Send that down to him in London. But yeah, I think it's a nice kit. Yeah, and it's the same thing sort of happened from pre-season where we were seeing a lot more of that kit than possibly the home one. And it's, you know, again, I saw loads of the purple kit yesterday. It wasn't a away game, so maybe people have got two and they'll wear that one to there. But um, it certainly seems to have been a big seller. But yeah, it's a, it's a smart kit and I think it, it does give us a little bit of a, a presence, really, I suppose. And um, I suppose the main thing is it isn't a black kit. <laughs> so as long as we're not playing in black kits after last year's disaster, I'm happy. So um, yeah, it's a decent kit, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. So what was it like? Did it feel like, feel, feel a bit funny, you know, loading the car? Getting all the kids together and, and getting yeah. onto an away game. Did it feel like you hadn't been away? Well, the funny thing is, my um, my dad came and he didn't really do any away games last year. And obviously, anyone that's listened to the podcast over the four seasons we've done it will know my dad was coming to a lot of away games during the Hurst era. And I think, in terms of you know his age, he's a bit of a fair weather fan when it comes to away games. If we're doing well. He wants to go to the games away from home, which is fantastic, really, and it's really good to have him with me and the kids. But yeah, I was surprised. He was so in- enthused by the the sort of goal and the result on the opening day of the season. He wanted to come to Milton Keynes. So, my dad, me, me two, me two kids went down and um yeah decent little drive down i think we left after 12 o'clock and got there with about 45 minutes to kick off um and and we should say this i mean it's been a while since we played mk dons can't remember if we've, we've covered a game on the podcast for probably two years now but um it's such a good stadium but they just they don't i just get the feeling that, like that because everything that happened they don't deserve it and there's only seven thousand in a 30-seater stadium it's the atmosphere was pretty turgid the whole way through because you just you can't not generate an atmosphere in a stadium like that the town fans did really well there were 600 of them and they, you know the singers all congregated together and they did good to make a noise but the MK Dons fans, you know, I, I, it must be pretty dispiriting trying to get atmosphere in that stadium going. Yeah, it, it's a it's a <laughs> big it's a big big stadium, obviously built with very um, lofty ambitions. Yeah, and yeah, I, I struggle to even call them Dons, but let's no. not get into the franchise discussion. <laughs> uh, let's probably just jump into the action. Yeah, yeah. Well, just going back to the team, really, we did sort of skim over that a little bit. I mean, I don't know about you, Walt, but you, you know, I, me and my dad were talking about it on the way down about what changes might be made, and I'd said to my dad, I could see Wally having Faye's place which would have been surprising you know six months ago we wouldn't have thought Wally would be starting ahead of Faye in an attacking position but from everything I saw on on the game last week and, and you guys covered you know Faye wasn't great in the opening day so and Wally did have an impact when he came on so I wasn't really as surprised as possibly I would have been six months ago to say that we're starting Wally ahead of Faye in an attacking you know one of the striking positions yeah definitely um, and obviously we don't have the the uh, opportunity to look at you know MK Donton in, in, in obviously in detail but it was clear mm. why he was playing to try yep. and get at their central defenders and it seems like a wise decision um, by the management team mm. it's going to be interesting to see if he kind of goes in with that because we're going to go through the game but Wally did well I think and um, we'll go through what he did in the game it was good but it's, it's going to be you know a tricky decision now who's going to be that foil to Morrison and, and we might bring another striker in yet who knows but it's, um, it's up for grabs personally I think the foil to Morrison at the moment, it's not a done deal now. You would have thought it was phase position all the way, but I certainly think I've seen enough in the first two games to say that it's a it's a it's a thing that's going to be picked on a match by match basis, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I, I think there's plenty of you know, there's so many games to go. Yeah. Um, so many twists and turns. You know, we could look and you could look back at that comment, Glenn, and laugh and say, Oh my god, you know, he's got over twenty goals or something, which would be fantastic. Yeah. So No, I agree. Yeah, wait yeah. to see what happens. But yeah, I totally agree with you what you what you're saying. It's it's fair for, for where we are right now. Um and yeah, I thought in terms of kind of starting the game, I think Town started too badly. I thought they were trying to pass the ball and try and knock the ball around. Um 
and I thought they definitely played a bit more football this week um, compared to the Pompey game. Yeah, it is interesting. I wouldn't have called the opening spell, you know, playing direct football. The midfielders tried to get involved as much as they could. Um, the defence settled quickly, which we knew they would, to be honest with you. We haven't seen them in the pre-season and the opening game. And, um, you know, I think I remember tweeting something along the lines of 10 minutes in, just before Williams got injured, you know, there's nothing to fear here today for Shrewsbury. You know, they look like a team that just cut from League Two. They they weren't bad, but, you know, it was one of those games where you felt it was pretty tight between both teams. And we sh- it wasn't a place we should have been going and fearing that we were going to get hammered or, or not get a result, which sometimes we have done that at MK Dons. They just had this sort of... Um, Indian sign over us haven't they with a really good run over us recently but it did it did feel like after opening 10 minutes there was definitely something there for us yeah definitely um, there's definitely opportunities so there's some good knock and runs from Love who seems to be growing and yeah. just getting at, getting at Livington all game um, a nice charge from McCormick and ends up with a shot from Worley and yeah that was kind of one of the the consistency of the game was, was something happening with Worley getting into the final third. Um, but as you mentioned there, Glenn, nine minutes in, injury mm. for Williams. So he was tracking a um, tracking a, a runner back. Um, he was kind of running over the halfway line. It looks like his hamstring went. Um, yeah. Beckles came on. And um, yeah, it was a shame, obviously, Williams got injured in the in the second league game of the season. Yeah, I mean, Williams, to be fair to him, just prior to the injury, we've been praying, you know, I think, looking at how we set up tactically and we could talk about tactics a bit later on you want that one centre-back to come out with the ball don't you and, and sort of combine with the midfield and sort of be the one to bring it out and get everybody else up the field really and when we don't do that we look a bit static but Williams had done that he brought the, the ball out of defence and he got almost up to the halfway line um, and then it had broken down with either Wally or one of the strikers and so the ball had been turned over and, and unfortunately then Williams has to do a lot more running in that position he's got to try and track back and as you say he was tracking back and he was full speed um, it looked like he went to make a tackle and just sort of pulled out of it and, and, and his hand went straight to his hamstring um, as I said we don't know the extent of the injury do we unfortunately at this stage but hamstrings are never normally a, a back the next game sort of thing so you suspect that it's something that's going to cause us a change at least for the Tuesday game you know there'd be no reason to play him in the cup anyway but um, I, I don't even think he'll be back for the next you know league game it, it looked like he went down and he went off straight away in, in, a, in a bit of discomfort so gutted because he's such a good player and it was just starting to click wasn't it that defence yeah it was and I think he wasn't a hamstring you know where he looks like like the whole thing just breaks you no know, I you agree see that don't you it was yes all kind I of completely like, agree he, would, he did carry on a little bit so fingers crossed it's just like a slight strain but yeah mm. it's going to be a couple mm. of weeks you'd imagine um, but Beckles came in and he did well I thought God, good old Omar yeah he came in you know we've always said it haven't we As Omar's been here what three seasons now hasn't he and, and I think we've been pretty consistent on the podcast in saying that if Omar Beckles plays as part of a back three he's an excellent player you know he did it in the Hurst season where you know we won you know got in one of the league one teams of the year didn't he playing in that position he played um, on Saturday and we've got absolutely no problems with Beckles stepping up to take over from Rochon during this period the defence looked solid the whole way through the game and we'll talk about some of the challenges and, and you know bodies on the line again at times but um, yeah Beckles it's unfortunate for Williams I think we can get away with it you know the, the issue comes where if someone else gets a knock or Pierre goes on international duty, then we're back looking at the main man, Luke, aren't we? And that's a slightly more concerning state of affairs, I think. Yeah, I think we'll probably <laughs> if we lose Walpole, I'd expect to have um, another central defender come in. Possibly. But I would say yeah. you probably could play um, Goldborn left. Um, and Maybe. Fit in there, yeah. um, do a bit of an aquaquetta did for, for Chelsea and play that kind of role. But yeah, fingers crossed he isn't too bad. And yeah, I think there's still a bit of work to do in the old transfer window. Um, yeah, it's, it's a shame that, you know, looking back, it's a shame we lost Bolton really. And I mean, it's, it's good. I mean, Love's, Love's doing a good job at right back, isn't he, anyway? But, um, you know, Bolton did offer you that extra amount of cover, didn't he? And um, you, you like to have that that sort of fourth central back, centre back in this position being someone that could fill in in two positions. I'd be wary, wary about Goldburn doing that. We haven't seen him do it before, have we? But um, if he, he might have done it in his career, before we have to look that up but he's um, an experienced pro so yeah, I'm sure exactly. he could do a job there um, and then yeah. Yeah, talking of doing a job um, 
yeah, really good run from Worley. And this is one of the things in it. You play him up front, he will often get into those wide areas. Um, really good one from run from Worley. He crosses the ball into Morrison, who fires over. Um, and there's nothing to say it. Like that was possibly the best chance of the game. Um, and you know, a player with his experience, you would have expected him to score there. Yeah, I would have. <laughs> yeah, I was pretty annoyed to be honest that he missed it. I mean, it was a it was a glorious chance, wasn't it? And it was wasn't far out. And um, yeah, it didn't even sort of cross get on the bar or the post, did it? It just went straight wide and frustrating. Um, and and you know, I'll maybe talk about Morrison a little bit later on because I've got some slight concerns, I suppose. But um, I think I want to just really focus on some positives at the start of this. And you know, the the good run from Wally was symptomatic of his of his overall play up until about seventy five minutes, where I think he possibly did tire a little bit. But he, he was. It, I'm going to say something now, but I mean, anyone that's listened to this podcast for a long time will know that there's been times where I've been overly harsh on Sean Wally. I think I've been more negative than positive over the years about him because I've always been wary about his his, his end product and his um, lack of goals at times and stuff like that. But when you see him play, you know, out of position like he did on Saturday against a decent set of defenders and cause them trouble time and time and time again, and especially with Giles backing him up on that left hand side. They looked really devastating at times, Ollie. It was really good to see. Now, again, I could sit here and lament his end product, but I think I'm starting to warm a little bit to it, and, and I think I've, I've, you know, kind of got to that point where I understand that he's a League One player and he's going to have those little blips. But he, he honestly should have possibly set a couple of goals up, and and you know there were so many more moments he created that I thought he was fantastic in the game. Um, and yeah, that that run was just symptomatic of it. There were so many times where he just got and ran at players, or Giles did, and it completely frightened. MK Dons and and we should have scored from some of the chances they had that one particularly but yeah I don't know I'm 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 just the longer we have Wally and his longevity with the football club and he is a, a, a guy that we've relied on and has stuck with us I I've, I've I've warmed him over the years I'm not the same about Wally as was when we started doing this podcast Ollie <laughs> yeah no I think I think your point about you know corners and set pieces and sometimes yeah, the end yeah. thing is is classic and, and I think you're you're really right to use the caveat of a League One player and that's what you'd expect if he was a bit more consistent he would definitely play in the Championship. Um, you know his penalty, his running um, against Wickham, and the penalty we got in that game was key um, to you know helping us survive. And obviously, we think about the Barnsley away game, which was just devastated when we played that counter-attacking style. You know, if he if he can if he can just get a little bit more confident and a bit more sure and start scoring a few goals, um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what he can do. He also kind of follows a bit of an interesting trend that you get at the moment, where you get wingers playing up front. Mm, Uh, And I think sometimes, you know, I don't know if it's the football manager world or what, you kind of just get used to players playing in a certain position, don't you? Um, And you don't expect them to move. Um, But, you know, all these players have different attributes. um, And there's no reason why, you know, Wally can't be, you know, um, a a decent striker uh, in League One. He could, you know, he's not going to, I don't expect him to bang 25 goals. But, you know, if if he creates assists and, you know, creates opening for others, um, it's, it's a good thing. If he played up front the whole of the season, he'd definitely get 15 to 20 goals. I'm sure of it. I mean, I'm not sure he'd get to 20. I think he'd get into double figures. I agree. It depends how well the rest of the team are playing yeah. and, and also with this setup. But I, I, I saw enough on Saturday to think that I'd rather he was playing up front with Morrison than ever playing in the number 10 role, where sometimes he gets a little bit lost. And, and he honestly did cause enough trouble to be a real player at League One as a striker. And it, yeah. it's interesting because you know, it's, it's not too dissimilar to how Faye plays. He likes to get the ball and run at people and possibly Faye's a little bit more clinical. But um, definitely more you know, clinical. They, they do dovetail in that position in terms of the way they play and, and as I said the foil to Morrison so it's going to be interesting how it develops because it's certainly a million times better playing him there than it is playing him right wing back so, so yeah, he, was, he didn't really play right wing back didn't he so Richard's talked about he can play in three roles didn't he, he yeah. a very advanced right wing back where you're not basically playing wing back mm. you're playing number 10 or a striker I guess one of the things that's worth building on and 
um, in terms of Sean Worley playing up front is you need to get men in the box because yes, he's not yeah. going to be there. He's likely to be coming in. But yeah, I think, um, that, I think attacking intent and attacking style is something we're going to get better at as the season goes on. Yeah, I mean, um, that opens up a conversation about the midfielders and how yeah. they, we need to get them forward more and that wasn't really happening as much as you'd hope. But, um, you know, there's, there's lots to discuss. We're two games in and I'm sure we can maybe focus on some of this stuff as the, as the weeks go on, really. Yeah, and funny enough, talking of Worley, here he goes again. Yeah. Um, does the defender... Um, gets into the box, um, goes to cross it, but unfortunately goes out for a corner. Um, and then the following corner, um, Edwards had um, heads heads over. Yeah. Um, so again, yeah, again, that that dribbling in the, in the box is is devastating. And then then the heavens opened, Glenn. Um, <sighs> and I remember seeing your Twitter feed. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I think you. Did you I don't know if you were undercover before. Or a lot of people moved at this point. Yeah, unfortunately, I mean, I remember Lewis Cox had tweeted pre-match, it doesn't seem very windy, and he was sitting on the other side of the stadium, which was obviously protected from the gusts. The gusts were blowing right into where the town fans were sitting, particularly where we were in, in the stand. And um, it had been quite stormy during that day, and it? It, was, it, was pre- it was pretty windy, and it, it had some effect on the game. It wasn't like some of the games we've seen where you've, got, you've had a gale blowing and the ball's sort of you know going back towards the goal. It wasn't like that, but I did feel like it probably you know did put a few of the long passes out of play where you know normally a player would have been good enough to hit it. But yeah, at one point this little sort of storm shower came over and it just torrentially rained in on about I don't know three hundred town fans and everybody ran up the back. A couple of people fell over in the concourses. They were trying to get out of the rain and um, yeah, it wasn't ideal. I, I've no idea what went on in that five minutes. Apparently, we had a couple of chances which you'll have seen that I didn't because I was you know trying to trying to find somewhere to stay dry. But it was over within about five minutes and took a couple of napkins down, dried the seat off and sat back where we were and, and thankfully the rain stayed off. And then within about twenty minutes, we were we were getting sunburned. It was it was really changeable conditions. But um, yeah, I think it was MK Dons that had a really good chance during that period in the rain. Yeah, they, so it was a well worked chance, and then some good. They finally kind of probably put their best bit of play together. Yeah, and but they fired out wide from inside the box, um, and then there was um, one of the best kind of attacking moves from Shrewsbury. So Lowe switches the ball to Giles, um, who puts in a good cross into the box, but unfortunately finds no one. Um, and then Lowe has a shot. Love has a shot, um, and that was a really really nice move. And it's nice to see that Love is starting to get a bit more confident on the ball. Yeah. I was really impressed with him, Ollie. I mean, I thought he played well the whole game. You know, didn't look out of his depth in League One whatsoever. And um, him and Giles, their crossing was good. You know, normally we lament the amount of crosses we put in that weren't converted, but they were putting them in the right areas, Ollie. It was, it was just that there was no one there. And I think if I was to put more blame on why we didn't score, it wasn't the crossing this week. It was potentially the strikers just not be quite being on that wavelength of being able to read it. And particularly Morrison, you know, I'd have hoped he'd have been able to get on a, the end of a few of them, and he just couldn't quite do it. But um, the, the the wing backs, both of them, you know, Giles is impressed in the first game particularly, but I'm I'm impressed with both of them. They're young, quick, fit, athletic lads who are going to cause a lot of players um, who are playing right and left back for say a team if they don't set up like we do. They're going to cause them problems. Particularly if we play teams with wing backs as well, and they get beyond them, they're going to be right bonus for us. And um, this there's definitely something to be excited about in terms of that defensive unit and the attacking prowess that those two can bring us. And yeah, love 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 deserves a lot of credit for his first two games. Yeah, I think it was interesting that we were playing against a team playing the same formation. Yes, and exactly. yeah, in terms of the wing back wars, we definitely won that. In terms of our players, were sure. were, um, were definitely more impactful on the game. Mm. Um, and it's interesting, isn't it? You know, people often see players as commodities and you know almost like you know characters. Um, and yeah, he's been. There was an article this week with where Lewis Cox reported that um, he's living with his family, and he's. I'm sure that kind of you know being a bit more settled and yeah, know, he's helping him kind of. Um, put a couple of games, good games together on the pitch. And yeah, it'd be interesting to see how he progresses. Um, and it'd be interesting, it'd be fun when we when he plays against Sunderland again to see where he is. Hopefully he'll be he'll be um, bang up on form by then. 
I'd, I would love it if he scored the winner or something. It'd be oh, a fantastic. It would just be absolutely brilliant. Yeah, if he does. <laughs> It'd be a fantastic story for him. And um, and and yeah, as I think about say about the the, the wing backs at the moment. But um, yeah, I mean Giles is just spectacular. He's, he's definitely the best player in our team at the moment. I think. But um, we'll cover a bit more of Giles as we move on. I mean, the next thing that happened was, and I did get back to my seat. Now we sort of sat down, and got it dry, and I remember seeing this pretty much straight away. Was bloody this was a penalty all day for me. Yeah, and I've looked it back on the replay, and it looks even more. But even on the day, I was screaming pen. I mean, yeah, Wally just does his usual thing. Gets the ball, gets beyond someone, running into the box, and just gets tugged back. And um, you know, where's VAR when you need it, Ollie? I Did hate you VAR. Think he should but... have dived, gone down. I think if he'd gone I... down, he would have got the pen because I know that you shouldn't mm. be the case. You have to go down to get the foul. But for me, that was clearly a penalty and, and it's really, really poor refereeing. I thought I got the sense that the referee was quite poor and kind of struggled to manage the game. Yeah, it wasn't great, to be honest with you. I mean, it wasn't a particularly dirty game, in all honesty, though. It was one of those games that kind of flowed along quite nicely, and the referee didn't really need to do all that much, I didn't think, from, from my view of it. But, yeah, I mean... To Apart from give us a few penalties. Well, yeah, I mean, in terms of bad challenges and stuff like that, it wasn't too many flashpoints. But, yeah, I mean, Wally deserves some credit for staying on his feet for once, because in nine times out of ten, he probably would have dived in that situation. But he clearly thought he had a chance of getting that second ball after he'd been tugged and just chipping it over the goalkeeper and scoring. So he deserves some credit for staying on his feet. But also, yeah, it's frustrating, isn't it? Because if he had gone down, referee almost certainly would have given it. So um, really harsh, I think. And um, at that point in the game, the way we've been playing, the overall flow of the game, you, you kind of felt like it was getting to that point, what was it, maybe 15 minutes from half time, maybe a little, a little bit less, that we probably should should have been 1-0 up at that point with the chances we created. And um, just left you with this little bit of a feeling of frustration that we haven't quite got the ball over the line. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, we definitely ended the, the half um, on top, and um, and we should have been um, should have been um, ahead. Um, so in terms of highlights, there was an amazing tackle and pass from Pierre. He kind of just like just like pinged this ball um, miles <laughs> after winning a super talent. What a player he's looking like! And then we had another um, another fantastic chance. So cross from Giles. It's hard to tell if it hit the defender. I think I think Sam Rickett said that it, the player got a toe on it where Edwards tried to get a chest on it. Yeah. I mean, it hit the crossbar. Um, and yeah, with that chance and Lowe's chance and the penalty, um, you know, we there the, there's um, three, um, you know, not three, but two, two chances we should have scored and then we should have had a chance to have a, a spot kick. So yeah, I think overall, what did you feel at halftime, Glenn? Yeah, I pretty much said it before, and I? I was a bit gutted we hadn't scored and just felt like we'd done enough to be ahead. They'd had a couple of sort of half chances and stuff where they'd sort of had a long shot, and I think Lowe had made one save in the first half, but nothing too threatening. And, um, you, you know, as a Shooftown fan, usual feeling, just, you know, have we missed our best chance of the game? Are we are we going to you know regret not capitalising on them? And um, But you, but also, I'm, you know, start of the season, I'm, you know, positive at the moment. You know, that we played well, and, you know, you have to give the players credit for the way they played in that game, the way they approached it, the tactical setup you would give Ricketts credit for. Didn't really do anything wrong in that first half other than just failing to score, which is frustrating, isn't it? But um, half time, I felt uh, I felt positive. Still, I still felt you know this was there for the winning. Yeah, it's you know just the first half was a pretty decent performance and definitely more attacking intent than the Pompey game, um, which is not too surprising against a team as well that you know are predicted um, to finish mid table. Um, so yeah, it'd be interesting to see where we look back on this game um, in a few weeks' time. Um, you know, kind of where where we look at it, but yeah, at half time we definitely I'd say we were winning on points, um, and yeah, second half started um, fairly fairly decently as well again for Shrewsbury, um, and I like this. You know, we always like to think we also like to look at how the goalkeeper interacts in play, 
um, and how they can influence not just obviously their shot their shot stopping, but you know their kicking and their distribution. Um, kick, I think I say Leary's kicking is really good. He often finds his man and finds Morris quite a lot, which is good. Um, and this was a really nice f- um, throw. So he kind of throw the ball out um, to Worley, um, who then passes the ball to Love, who crosses, is deflected and goes out, goes wide for a corner. But I just thought it was really just worth highlighting. Um, you know, a really really good throw, and and also the fact that the, the players were. You know, um, you know. Sometimes when you get the goalkeeper gets the ball, the team kind of just wants to slow down. But no, the players are really keen to get forward, um, and O'Leary was was on point to to, to um, have a really good distribution of the ball. Yeah, I mean, covering a few things there. We start with O'Leary. He's so good that you just don't really notice him in games, which is a compliment to him, if you ask me. You know, when a save is required, he makes it, and there's no fuss. If a ball's coming across, he just gets out and claims it. Um, first two games, he's been, you know, faultless almost. To be honest with you, he's been really, really good. And um, you know, again, we, we kind of flag that he's a Championship player playing for a League One team. He's, he's too good for us, really. But um, yeah, he's good. And, and and you're right to say about the way we break. There's definitely more pace in the wide areas, and, and in terms of getting from one end of the pitch to the other. If you can get out to Giles and Love, they can motor up there pretty quickly um, or it goes into the centre and then Giles and Love can get beyond and be the options to take that ball and have the extra men up there. So it feels like transitions, we're much quicker getting out than we were last season where we sometimes it would get stuck with Grant and Waterfall wouldn't it, in the back and we were a bit slower getting out. So that helps. Uh, my, my, my concern comes back to the midfield. I, there are times when you feel like, you know, Possibly Edwards and, and McCormick in this circumstance should have been getting up and joining the strikers are much quicker. There was a lot of times where they didn't quite get out as quickly as possible, and it shows that when they did, when Edwards got up for that one where it sort of come off the bar, they can be that extra man in there causing trouble and looking to score. I just I'd like to see that a bit more, um, and, and I, I, I do worry long term how Edwards is going to last, particularly into the last stages of games in terms of that energy. I, th- I thought he was sort of getting a bit slow towards the end of the game. Um, but none of them had a bad game, Ollie, in terms of the central midfield. I just think there were times where it just sort of, again, kind of in the second half, bypassed them a little bit, much like it did in the opening home game. But it's too early to call quite how that's going to sit out. But there are times where it feels like we're so good down the wide that sometimes the midfield is a little bit irrelevant. I don't know, possibly a bit harsh, but I don't know. It's an interesting tactic how it's knitting down. I'm still not still not sure about it, Ollie. Yeah, I think the tactic works quite well. Before the pre-season, I was kind of questioning why would you want a defence midfielder in the, when you've got three um, central defenders, but I can see the kind of need for it now because sometimes there's such a huge space there, um, and also having someone not as a as a defensive player but like a deep line playmaker, a bit of a quarterback kind of role. Yeah, yeah. Um, but kind of on these three midfielders, um, I don't know. It just like certainly I don't think you know those three as a as a t- as a trio will play a lot of games this season. I'd hope no. not, and because yeah, I think you know they might progress and they might get much much better. But yeah, I don't think that output contribution to the game is is good enough um, for if we're going to have a, a positive season this year. And obviously, the addition of Norburn would add some quality into that team. Um, and I think, yeah, I, I just don't think that this is going to be the team that the midfield three we're going to see um, see all season. Um, on what I've seen so far, I don't. I hope not. I would agree with that. I mean, of the three of them, I think Edwards is the one that's more likely to keep a place just due to his experience and, and, his, and his meaning to the club. But if I was to take a look at all the midfielders at the club now and see how that tactic works and how those three midfielders work, it's daft because I know Grant is never going to play for this football club again. But I'd have Grant in that sitting role ahead of Vince Lott every day of the week. It's not going to happen. I know it's not going to happen. But, you know, if you look at those two players on their best day, that, that would be my choice. And then I wouldn't have Edwards or, or McCormick playing. I'd have Norburn um, because he's a good player. And I'd have Lauren. I think his energy... 
he's the one that would be getting up with the strikers a bit more. I think his legs would be absolutely vital to the way that tactic works. And I think that if you put those three in, uh, or a Grant-esque like, or you play Vince a lot and, and maybe he starts to convince a bit more in that position, I think that you, you've got a midfield then that adds to that other area. You know, the defence working really well, the wing-backs working really well. If you get the midfield ticking over as well, I, I honestly think we've got a massive chance this season. Of uh, You can see the... You can just about see the, the green shoots of a really good team that can push top 10 this season. Um, too early to say that, maybe. I don't know, because it could go either way. We could get more injuries. He might not get the recruitment he wants. We might not get another striker. But there's definitely enough there to think that there's a, there's a good season to be had if we just get it right. Yeah, a few points there. I'd say McCormick needs a bit more time to settle. Uh, Possibly, yeah. young. Um, Grant, well, is kind of irrelevant in some ways because he's definitely going to yeah, play. Yeah. But I think you're also you're being... Far too kind about his ability on the ball. Um, in the way we're playing, we need someone who can shift the ball and play attacking, you know, attacking um, really good pasters and get the ball moving really fast, which he can't do. Um, I'd say Norburn. I can see that's why where maybe Norburn might play that deep line playmaker role. Let's just, I don't know. I just you reckon? Yeah, That'd be interesting if that. Yeah, happens. I think so. I, with yeah. having Edwards McCormick or maybe someone else or Lauren in midfield. I don't think that role is supposed to be a defensive role. I think it's supposed to be a, a kind of like a quarterback kind of role. Um, and a lot, I understand why a lot of fans like uh, Grant, and he was yeah. effective in a really shite team. But his his he was not in the team, and we weren't you know lamenting his performances based on his passing or his attacking contribution. It was because he was winning tackles and he was actually trying a bit. Um, so yeah, I just, I just I think we need to just uh, well for me anyway. I don't think you can say that Grant is a, a, a fantastic footballer um, in terms of his offensive abilities. I, I, we're allowed to disagree, Ollie. Yeah. I completely agree with you. I mean, Vincelot to me is playing that role as a defender. And Vincelot isn't a first team. I wouldn't. No. I wouldn't want him as my first. Um, no. My first choice in that position. Um, of, I imagine that is because either one we're going to sign someone else, um, or um, but also Vincelot is also that cover for central defence as well, isn't he? I mean, we should remember that. Possibly. But, yeah. Um, or right, right back. He's played as well, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, he played. He played in the back three when we played three against Wolves, and he played in the right hand side of the back three. So. Yeah, lots of interesting he, points there. It'd be interesting to get other people's opinion. There's been, you know, what, what midfield three would, would you play? Um, and yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll post that out on Twitter. Yeah, and, and I'll give Vince some credit. He's trying pretty bloody hard, to be fair, and, and he works his ass off. And, you know, I don't want to be too down on him because he's playing there. You know, I'm going to be harsh now, but it feels like he's a squad player that's getting his chance to be part of the squad earlier than maybe we might have expected. But that's football, isn't it? You know, nature of injuries and, and, and when he plays. And I can't be too critical of the way he played. It's just, um, I don't know, we all have our different opinions on footballers and, and I'm, I'm judging it purely on their football ability when I've seen them at their best. And, you know, you don't agree. And I'm sure a lot of people will probably disagree. And, and there are some people that probably would think that, you know, maybe this is a position for Grant. But, you know, who's to say? It's just a game of opinions. And um, I'm not coming down on Vince a lot or Vance a lot that hard because I think he is working hard um, and, and he's been part of two pretty impressive performances so yeah that, that's my view on him really cool cool so we go back to Wally again <laughs> yes <laughs> um, so good opportunity for Wally with um, a header from um, from Love uh, yep. a shot blocked a good opportunity there um, I think yeah Wally probably should have done a bit better um, and then we had a situation where we got get lots of crosses into the box um, from Love and from Giles um, and yeah, a cross from um, from Giles, a little bit deeper, not quite yep. by the byline, and he was so close to finding Morris, um, which would have he would have had a header on goal. Yep. Um, and yeah, another another good little spell from Shrewsbury here. So you're right, yeah, we had a little bit of an aerial bombardment there, and I think I talked previously about the the, the ability of the crosses for the right and left wing back. You know, that's definitely something that's going to help us this season. And 
Yeah, it's probably worth just a quick chat about Morrison because, um, you know, I, I'm going to be positive about most of the players and then I'm positive about Morrison. He works hard. He did win a few flick-ons, but the frustration for me was that his flick-ons didn't quite find town players and that's maybe the fault of the other players for not reading them or he just wasn't quite getting what he wanted on them in terms of purchase and there was a few times where some of the long balls did break down with him and he couldn't quite find that right position when we needed him for some of these good crosses um you know a good striker and and, and hopefully that's what he is will score a lot of goals from the from the right wing back crosses and, and Wally when he's knocking them in um just hasn't quite clicked and it hasn't quite worked yet it's way too early to write him off um but it was funny someone was asking me what kind of player they described him as because I think we said oh he might be like a, a Grant Holt really horrible you know we'll get loads of goals and back to goal he'll be useful and I don't see him quite as that and this isn't a knock on him in any way but he feels a little bit more like a Dave Hibbert now Dave Hibbert got goals yeah Dave Hibbert got goals you know he didn't have the worst goal scoring record he never he wasn't as bad as the shop or you know Marty Holloway he scored a fair few goals um but he seemed similar sort of players to me similar sort of way they play um Maybe, maybe, yeah, you know, maybe they he will start to get those goals and he'll, he'll get ten, fifteen in a season, and that's all we'll expect. But his overall contribution will mean that that's fine. It, it's a sort of Carl Morris esque thing, isn't it? I suppose. Um, be interesting to see how it goes. Um, I don't know, just weird. It's one of those observations you have during a game. You know, you kind of think about players who they look like, and I don't know, just seems like a hibbo. <laughs> yeah, I think he's just a bit of a target man, and well, I think in terms of attacking play, it's something that still needs some refinement. Um, Definitely. And we'll come on to that a little bit when we get to the end in terms of having yep, a little yep. review on where we think the team is um, after two games. Um, but I think it's just worth also just, I think, just uh, I wanted to comment on Beckel's performance. Um, there was a point it's where um, Agard was running at him and he just had no way he was going to get um, past him. And you know, particularly for a central defender coming on, um, to coming into the game after only 10 minutes and I thought it was just worth pointing out that I thought that Beckles had a really really solid game and you know no one really got past him um, and, he, and he put in a really really solid performance and hopefully it's something he can build on Oh uh, yeah I mean you know I like Beckles as a man and as a footballer I think he's a he's a class act and um you know, hard, hard as it on, is on Williams. If he's out for six weeks, I don't have any worries about um, Beckles playing. He he was exceptional when he came on. He didn't put a foot wrong. And we've talked about Pierre, you know, how good he was as well. And Ebanks Landell, the three of them just knitted together like, you know, nothing had really been any different. And and yeah, it's good to see Beckles get back in the team. You know, he's been here a long time as well, hasn't he? Like Wally and sort of one of our main kind of club men, isn't he? And, um, you know, you, you kind of hope the best for players like that, really. You know, maybe more so than the new players, I suppose. Yeah, definitely. And, and talking to the new players, um, this counter-attack from Pierre was absolutely fantastic and this is where he storms out from a corner um, and then makes a final pass um, to to Giles and the ball was basically played across the box here and it just was the passing um, was was lacking it really really would have been it would have put Giles one on one with the goalkeeper Um, but he showed a lot of pace didn't he in that run He's quick. He's quick and strong and athletic. He's a he's a proper player. I, I actually think you know. I think we'll come to the top three later on. But he hugely impressed me, Pierre. I think he's a proper player. He's a big leader. You see the amount of talking he does. We should really mention actually. We've got a lot of leaders, Ollie, on that pitch. You know, there's a lot of senior men there that know what they're doing, and there's a lot of talking going on. And I think that's really helped with this positive start. But Pierre's a proper proper bloke, and um, you know, it wasn't just that they did that made me fall a bit in love with him on Saturday. There was a time where somehow he charged forward and he got to the byline and he was sort of one on one with a player. 
turned away from him, and then Cruyff turned it onto the byline, tripped past the player, and was running in down the byline looking to shoot or square it across, and he did just hammer it hard, and it got deflected wide. But things like that make me think he might be the new Jermaine Grandison. Um, he's got the little trick, a bit of skill about him. He's he's a proper hard you know defender, but he's also got a little bit of flair about him, and that's the sort of thing I think Town fans love. And I, I you know listening to what people were saying at the game and afterwards, there was a lot of people talking about Pierre and his performance. I'd seen it online afterwards as well, even after the first game. I think he's definitely. It's hard because all three, you know, Beckles and Williams, I suppose all four of those defenders have done really well in the first few games. But he seems to just have maybe edged himself ahead of all the other four in terms of how much he's sort of been appreciated by town fans, I think, Ollie. Do you think that's unfair? Yeah, no, no, I think that's right. I think it's fair. I think he's been doing really good. Um, yeah, been, he's definitely been a good sign in. It'll be interesting to see how the team develops, how he can impact the offensive play as well. So that'll be yeah. good. Um, and then the game kind of changed. So... You know, they made a change after 78 minutes. Um, and then I'd say overall, I would say that MK Dons had the kind of the better of the rest of the game, apart yes. from um, one spell, uh, which we had. Um, so there was a, after the substitution, there was a pen claim where our, where the arm of Pierre was on a, um, one of their players. I, I'd, I'd, I'm not sure, Glenn, what, what did you think? Did you think this was a penalty? No. I mean, I've only seen it live on the day and it was quite a long way from me. I've not seen a replay of this particularly back, Ollie, so you'll maybe better judge. If you were the man sitting in whatever it is, where, where's the bar? <laughs> where is it? Brackley or something like that? I don't know, by Ether Airport. If you were sitting in there and they showed you a clip of that, would you have given it as a penalty? Um, I, I don't think there was enough for a penalty, but okay. I would describe it as very sloppy. So I'm sure that Pierre, you know, that needs to be looked at and hopefully you'll get some feedback on that point and a bit of a discussion yeah. with uh, the coaches. You know, I don't think it was enough for a penalty, um, and the play did go down a little bit theatrically. But okay. you know, don't give the player the opportunity. No, I agree. I agree. So, but, yeah, I say I did. I'm watching it. The game is one of those ones, and they were very vociferous. The MK Dons fans it was about the loudest they were the whole game. Um, so it could have could have changed the referee, but he, he waved it away straight away. I remember that he just was like waving it away straight away. So he was never going to give that, which was good. Maybe he was had that one he missed of ours in the back of his mind, Ollie. You never know. Um, so yeah, that was it. But I think you're right in terms of the rest of the game. We, we definitely struggled a lot more. And, and other than, and we'll just talk about the good spell we had. There was a, I think it started when. Edwards charged forward and I, I just tweeted that I thought he was getting slower and slower and he was running in Tweakle and suddenly he just sort of you know bombed forward and, and the volley sat really nicely for him and he caught it perfectly he looked like a, a cracking volley and you could see he, he was heads on hands when the keeper saved it that it was a really good save um, and from there we had to think three or four corners in a row um, and just we just didn't can kind of get an end to it I think Again, I'm just sort of because we've got a lot to cover. First game of the season, I suppose, is corners need some work, Ollie. Um, we had a lot of corners in the game overall, and, and I never really felt like we threatened to score from any of them. I thought there was the one where we nearly scored, where Wally had a penalty. Um, that was a nice move, um, where yeah. we did a bit of a, a, a set piece kind of corner. Um, in terms of balls just oh, directly into good. the box, yes. yeah, I agree yes. with you. You know, um, balls and headers and getting that on that kind of classic corner. Um, other things I'd say we were threatening, but yeah, I, I understand where you can make that point, Glenn, and I understand where you're coming from. You know, straight lines right. into the box could do a bit of work. Yeah, that one training ground routine corner was really good in the first half. It was probably the best corner we had. You're completely right. But as I said, every other one we seemed to knock in. And you'd think with the three you know, big blokes at the back, we'd have tried to get on a bit more. But uh, let's give MK Dons a little bit of credit, Ollie. They did defend pretty well, to be honest with you as well. So, um, you know, it was definitely a game where defences were on top in the, in the main, I think. Yeah, I'd agree with that point, Glenn. Um, yeah, the defence of both sides. You know, they made, while we're talking about we missed chances, we've got to add that you know, there was a lot of good blocks in by then. Yep. Yep. Goalkeeper didn't do quite a lot of work, but there was that towing by the defender that hit the hit the hit the crossbar. So some really really good last gas defending from MK Don stopped us scoring. Um, so we've got to give them credit where it's due. 
Yep. And then I suppose it's the end, isn't it? We'd got into injury time and, and they, actually, you know, they'd had a really good last 20 minutes, to be fair, and we'd, we'd held on at times. But, you know, we'd held on and we'd, we'd still not looked that unsure and it still not didn't look like they were going to score. We, we were getting heads to everything. They were scrambling away. There was one where it was sort of scrambled and a guy hit it into the side of the net and the whole of the MK Dons fans went up thinking they'd scored. But that was... I think that was with about a minute of normal time to go and it felt like Ollie in the stadium that that was their last big chance and they'd fluffed it and he felt quite confident going into the last three minutes of your time but you know talk about sucker punches this was this was harsh on us really harsh this last goal yeah it wasn't even it was just a, <laughs> a lucky punt shot come across yeah um, yeah and then headed in the back by Ebanks Landel um, but you think that maybe Vance Loesch could have done a bit better pressing yeah this is the only thing I've watched back on the highlights I just watched the main things back on the YouTube channel and if you look you know we, we do well to clear a first ball um, I think it's Ebanks Landel it clears it out quite wide um, and then for some reason Vance Loesch goes charging forward um, and he just leaves that little bit of a gap for the for the midfielder who's, who's sort of dropped off the back of him to take a touch and then I think it's the same guy that shoots and scores uh, you know scores um, but he's the guy that shoots and it just that, that's that one you know, if you're looking where a mistake is, you can you can blame Ebanks uh, Lendell um, for getting the head on it and putting it into the back of the net, I suppose. But yeah, for me, it, maybe it was just giving him that little bit too much space there in midfield, and, and I can guess that he was trying to charge out and maybe get a break, and we wanted to win, and that's fine. But to me, that's where that that little bit moment broke down, and I suppose that's where when the, when they review it, you know, this week in training, they'll point to that and they'll say, look, if we're in three minutes of injury time, let's just kind of stop and stay on our men, and you know, just deny that little bit of a chance of the, of the through ball through to them, but. Just unlucky, really, and, and and you know, my observations. My observation at the end of the game, Ollie, really, was that we should probably won a game in the opening day of the season, which we shouldn't have won, and we definitely lost a game on the second day of the season, which we shouldn't have lost. So overall, I suppose we've come out of it on about about par, really, haven't we? Yeah, I think that's a really fair um, fair summary, um, Clint. Um, can't really just. I'm not sure to say because that's a really good summary. Yeah, in terms of that, I was exactly the same thing. Yeah, as well. Um, in terms of kind of where we are, obviously we're two games in, and we're not going to um, you know make any big grand grand claims and stuff. But I thought it was just worth kind of you know where, I was just asking you, Glenn, like where do you think we are as a team? Because I thought at times we played some nice passing and some triangles and saw some nice runs from midfielders. Um, but I just thought like where do you think we are at the moment? Yeah, I think. We, uh, I think we're where we were in pre-season in terms of we didn't know that we were going to start as well as we did I suppose in some respects but um, to me I, I can see the signs of a good team and a good season you know I, I didn't feel like that 15 games into the season under Askey do you know what I mean at, at no point did I feel like it was going to come together I, I truly feel like Ricketts is, is on the right track here I think that what he said he'll do he's starting to deliver on you know he's got a team of athletic guys who are running fitness he's do you think got... fitness is in, we're in a much better place I mean, we're two games in. I would probably want to hold off on that a little bit. Um, but I, I can't blame... Fitness was nothing to do with why we lost the game on Saturday. It was just one of those things, you know. Um, they look fit, and, and, and we'll see how that goes on as we get into the winter months. But, you know, we, we seem to be going down the lines of what I might have expected from listening to Ricketts and some of those chats that we had with him. Um, you know, obviously football is a game of winning winning and losing, and, and if we can put a few more wins together, we'll be, we'll be set fair for the start of the season. But, I, I you know, I can see more positives... Then I can see negatives at the moment, Ollie. Yeah, no, I think that, that's fair. Um, for me, I think one of the things that, and we talked about this a little bit about last week, but definitely the team is, I imagine they focus on defending and, and also scoring goals is hard. You know, it's, it's, it's yeah, difficult yeah. to form a team together. Uh, and I think that's one of the things, you know, if you watch the Premier League, and you know, a lot of teams 
don't go through a huge number of change. And there's a lot of players that, you know, the churn isn't so great. Um, but, you know, the, our, our attacking unit and stuff is completely fresh and new. Um, and it's going to take a bit a bit more time um, for our attacking. And, you know, you mentioned um, Morrison's flick-ons and stuff, not quite catching. You know, hopefully, you know, as we get a little bit more settled, um, those kind of things will come off. But, yeah, I think I think the fact that you said that we feel like we're working, going in the, same, in the right direction, I think that's that's a fair comment so after after what we've seen so far. Yeah. No, I mean, you know, I'm Mr Negative, aren't I, as everyone will tell you, and I'm not, not negative at the moment. There's, there's no reason to be in... And we're not 10 games in anyway. It's too early to make too many judgments. But to me, I do feel like if, if that front portion of the team clicks we're in absolute business this season and I think that there is definite merit to think we could go and play home or away and, and give everybody a game and with the defence as solid as they are it's going to be really difficult to score goals against us so we're going to be in every game you know we're going to you, you can't see us getting thrashed 3 or 4 nil very often this season do you know what I mean if we keep that defence as good as it is so yeah it's a lot to be positive about because we'll be sticking in games and as Paul Hurst showed with that team you can stick in a game you can nick a goal it can take you a very long way in League 1 and I think that Ricketts is on the right lines with, with, with the going down that approach again really yeah no definitely um, yeah I remember reading a, a book about football statistics and stuff and it was all about yeah not conceding is actually better it's better yeah not conceding is yeah, better in terms yeah. of getting results so yeah it's very um, very sensible approach to take um so in terms of who was your top three glenn so we've been talking very positive about him but i went for giles um you know i think that you guys gave him man of the match last week as well or he was in the top three he is yeah. an exceptionally good player i mean we haven't talked about half the stuff he did in the game he there was times where he had it down in the in the left wing back position he'd beat players he'd trick do a little trick to get a bit of space to just volley it down the line he could come out with it at his feet he could some dribble. good defensive tackles as well <sighs> yeah He's good defensively as well, you know, for everyone that said he wasn't. Um, for, you know, the Wolves fans are not quite that good at League One level. He's more than good enough to play a defensive role as well. Um, and just, you know, the ability of getting up there quickly and giving a, the man an extra option in terms of those crossfield passes. There's nothing about his game that is, is problematic. And, and like Wally, he was really devastating when he ran out players. And to have a second player in the team that can worry players when they're one-on-one against them is, is an absolute bonus for us. So, yeah, easily man of the match for me. Um, but I went for Pierre second. I thought he, defensively he was outstanding. Um, the drive he gave us in a couple of those runs forward was great. And I just love the fact that he's got a trick in him. So he's going to get promoted up every one of my man of the match votes now, Wally. Um, and then I gave Wally third. Um, um, drifted out of the game a little bit as it went on, but again, devastating when he ran out players and, and deserved an assist or or, or more really um, from his from his game. And I saw his interview at the end. Maybe you cover that, Ollie. But he looked really upset. He knew he'd played well and he was gutted to have lost. So um, yeah, he's a he's a club man, isn't he? And, and, and yeah, he had a good game. Cool. I went for Giles, and then I went for Love. Thought he was really good, and then a Beckles, as I mentioned, um, you know, yeah. coming on and having such a solid performance. And Beckles is definitely a confidence player. Um, yes. So fingers crossed he can build on that. So yeah, um, you know, disappointing not to get a point from the game. Definitely didn't deserve to lose. Um, but yes, yeah, so definitely some positives to take out of that game. Yeah, that's what Ricketts said, isn't it? He yeah. said it was a sucker punch. <laughs> so, so yeah, so we said it was a real sucker punch for the players and the supporters. Um, a bit unlucky today. You know, it was a clear pen. The chance hit the bar. Wally wasn't offside, and he was fouled in the box. Um, so the luck went against us. And um, later on, he mentions that, you know we had three pen claims. Mm. Um, talking about our defending, not much for um, for O'Leary to do. Defensive very sound, and he thought that we moved the ball a lot better and we created chances. Um, and then going on about Wall, he said he thought it would suit the game today and cause him a fair few problems, which proved to be right. Um, then they asked him about signings, um, and he said there's nothing imminent, but we're still working on the background. I imagine that they obviously were focusing on this game and also reacting to the closure of the Premier League and Championship transfer deadline. 
Yes. Um, yeah. And just for, yeah, so our transfer deadline doesn't close until, I think it's the 5th of September um, is the closing date. So there's still plenty of time to go. And then I thought it was just kind of mentioned, and he said, that, you know, hurting, you know, losing really hurts. And he did seem quite down about the, the result. Um, so, you know, he's, he's definitely, he definitely cares. And that's, that's one thing you can definitely say for certain. You should have said fine margins. It would have been legitimate. It would have been one of those games, wasn't <laughs> it, where it was a fine margins kind of game. But um, but yeah, that kind of like leaves where we are in terms of the game. And um, yeah, obviously we haven't got too long to wait until the next game. No, we've got two games this week, haven't we? So um, yeah, we'll, we'll cover those in a minute. But yeah, we'll move on to a bit of stand-up news and then look at the predictions. Rotherham in front of thousands of their fans at this end of Wembley. It's Paul Henderson comes up with the goods for Shrewsbury Town. Okay, so this, the setup news really. I suppose we've got a few bits that we want to talk about, but um, yeah, we talked about Williams getting injured, Ollie. I think there's no more really to say on that other than it was confirmed as a hamstring injury, um, like we discussed, and he's got a scan on Monday, and we'll find out the extent of it. So um, we've talked about how that might affect the team, but um, yeah, just worth reiterating really that he's now our, our major injury. Um, obviously, we have got the, the guys coming back slowly, haven't we? In terms of Norburn and, and Laurent was injured again on Saturday, um, so obviously played first game, but there must have a niggle that hasn't quite gone. So be good to get everybody back fit, and I think we'll be able to see where the team goes then. Um, in terms of signings, we didn't have any this week other than really Morrison signing on a permanent basis, which I found really interesting. You know, he's clearly settled in very well, um, and it frees up another loan space for us. So everything about that seemed like a sensible move to me, Ollie. Yeah, it's good. It obviously brings up another loan option, and obviously we've got you know we've got this, we haven't finished this window. We've also got January to go as well. So I think yeah, exactly. it's quite smart as well um, that we've got that potentially that extra loan for the next window as well, um, which is something I've just just thought of that second. Um, so yeah, I think that's a good move, and yeah, it's good to have some of those experienced pros around. So yeah, I was quite pleased with that. And and then in terms of what we're waiting for, we're still waiting to see what happens with Grant and Waterfall. Um, there was some rumours, wasn't there, that maybe Waterfall was going to go to Grimsby. I don't know whether that's just because they're a Lincolnshire club. Um, but yeah, we def there's we need to try and move them on. But um, as we said, we've got a month to go yet, just under a month in terms of time to to move them on. And I'm sure there'll be a few signs coming in. Um, and that that number nine shirt is spare, isn't it, Glenn? It is, yeah, we do need to fill that number nine shirt. I mean, for me, Grant's going to go. We should find somewhere for him eventually. And even if he doesn't, he's probably going to be training with the youth team for the rest of the season, like they said. But Waterfall's an interesting one now because say. Williams is injured for eight weeks, Ollie. Yeah, which is potentially could happen. You know, till he's fully fit. Pierre's obviously going to go away on international duty, Ollie, and he's going to miss, I think, four games in September and, and late September, I think it is. And at that point, you know, you, you're one centre back injury away from having problems. Would you keep Waterfall till January now, just as that extra insurance, or would you still let him go? Let him go and get some better. Really? Yeah. No, okay. There you go. Um, one, one is probably his wages as well. So it'd be nice to kind of get that resolved. Um, yeah, I'd rather maybe go and get um, either a Championship or Premier League um, youngster on loan. You know, a bit of a maybe a, a decent centre back on loan from a club um, to give him some experience. You know, not a, a kind of player that he's not going to expect to play loads and loads of games. Uh, That's it. Yeah, but yeah, someone who can help. Be... Obviously, we've got Vince Alo, um who can play there um, and stuff like that. But yeah, I, I, I think I think we'll, we definitely need some cover in that area and. Especially, yeah, it's really annoying having internationals in the squad because um, while it's it's great and it's quite, it's, you know, something to almost for, be proud of for the players, it really buggers us up because obviously our games don't stop. We don't have enough internationals for our game to be postponed. Yeah, it, it's, it's, I only bring it up because there were a few town fans around me on Saturday saying, oh, Waterfall won't go now, we'll keep him. No. So I think there's, a, you know, there's a few that are thinking that he might stay. But I, I, think, it's, I think it's a little bit, I don't want to be rude, but... I think it's a little bit naive just to say we're going to keep someone just because 
um, we need defensive cover. Isn't it better yeah. to get someone better and have someone yeah. who's going to be able to suit our style of play? You know, we've lamented um, waterfalls, shortfalls enough um, to say that I think we can do better. The tricky thing is, though, even with Morrison signed on, we still only have two loan positions available, Ollie. And, you know, we're going to put one of those down as a striker, almost certainly, I suspect. And there's still a lot of debate out there about us getting a midfielder in. I believe we were looking at Sam Field from West Brom, for example. So, you know, you can't have a cent- another centre-back, another central midfielder and another centre-forward. Maybe forward. we'll sign we- someone then. But yeah, who knows? Just, maybe. You know, a lot of players still haven't signed and stuff. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see. we'll see what happens there. But um, I'm sure the, the management team are on it. Yeah, I'm sure they are. I mean, the other bits of news, and this is something you guys didn't cover last week, was just worth flagging up because we've obviously got two home games this week coming up now and there are issues with the parking um, at the last home game, Ollie. Um, and obviously, you, you park on local roads, Ollie. We won't say where because we don't want to get into trouble. But, um, you know, it seems like the park and ride is obviously now the alternative option to what was happening at the garden centre. That parking's gone now. Lots of people went to the park and ride. They've started charging a fiver there when it was previously free. And there were hundreds of town fans that were using the park and ride for free every Saturday. And, and it was a, a, a bonus of an area for people to park. So there's a lot of complicated issues around this, Ollie, in terms of what it's done. Because it, it seemed from the local reporting of, of residents that on-street parking in Meal and the top end of Bellevue, I've got home and I spoke to a few people around where I live at the top end of Bellevue, said they'd never seen so many cars parked up this area um, before um, it's clearly moved things onto local roads and that's not great for football club because they've always tried to avoid that so clearly some discussions needed between the council the club and and you know I don't know whoever else needs to be involved to just try and figure out whether charging people five pounds to park in a car park that is now probably putting people off and also taking you an hour to get out at the end of the day is really going to work or not I don't know it's a tricky one yeah we, we as soon as we saw this announcement um I pointed it out and you pointed it out as well, didn't you, straight away this was going to cause issues. Yeah. Um, some people didn't seem to understand like kind of like the like what actually happens and yeah, a lot of town fans have been parking there uh, at the park and ride and essentially we've lost a parking space and, you know, I think I don't think it's unfair to criticise the council and they haven't been particularly helpful and obviously some of these local estates have then made it so you can't park on a match day and, um, yeah, I think there needs to be, you know, sort of sensible discussion Um and I think it's also worth adding, you know, there was a lot of Pompey fans that would have driven. Um, Brian shared with some numbers, you know, a lot of them did drive by car. So maybe Rochdale um, on Saturday with less fans um, won't be as problematic. But yeah, it's something yeah. something that needs to be looked at. Um, we know, we've, we've given our thoughts and shared, kind of, you know, we've discussed it, haven't we, with the um, supporters, um, the and officers. So fingers crossed um, some, something can come. But um, yeah, yeah, it's definitely a problem that's kind of always been potentially there. Um, and it's now kind of yeah come to come to the front. I tell you what, if if Meal Estate get knocked off with it enough to, to put in a resident only parking scheme like they've done up at Sutton Farm, the football club's a bit buggered because if those people can't park, I, I don't know where they park. You know, no one's going to pay five pounds to park in a car park that takes you an hour to get out of. I wouldn't. It's only going to get worse if they have that as well. If they if it gets limited there, yeah, um, and I wouldn't. I definitely wouldn't park somewhere I'd park for free for eleven years and suddenly want to pay five pound every match. You're talking hundreds of pounds a season. It's, it's sometimes that's cost prohibitive for fans. So there's a, there's a lot of problems and a lot of issues. And I'm glad the football club are taking it reasonably seriously, and and we obviously the sport as liaison officers, it's their role to kind of take on these concerns. Um, but it is something that could potentially be one of those things that hampers us trying to get. You know, I know the football club have ambitions of getting eight thousand in every week, don't they? And if people can't actually park close enough to walk, or there's problems with, with actually getting to the stadium, it is one of those big sort of issues we're going to have. Um, 
at least in the short term, you know, once all the development gets built out around the stadium, you know, the industrial estates, hopefully those streets are a fair game on a weekend for parking and that gives you another four or 500 spaces for people. So it might balance out in the future. But at the moment, it could be that the football club gets penned in a little bit and not ideal, not ideal. I'm sure, I'm sure it'll get sorted one way or the other, hopefully. Fingers crossed, fingers crossed. We always bring everyone the breaking news and it's parking. <laughs> Two weeks old. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, um, there we go. And then talking of issues... Um, it's probably just worth us just covering quite lightly um, the issues with Bolton and Berry because we never talked about it oh, in the last pod. And yeah, it's it's obviously both of those clubs. Um, Berry more at risk of being suspended from the league. Um, Left days out, left, haven't they? Yeah, um, with obviously their owner and his let's say rather comical um, statements, um, which are quite crazy. Um, you know, <laughs> you make Shrewsbury Town press releases look professional. Well, you think he, you know, you'd hope that. Yeah. Anyway, let's, let's not talk anything. Let's not say anything might get us into trouble. But I think it's I just care, worth really. you know discussing that obviously Barry could go out of the league, and that's going to be obviously not good for the fixture list. Also, it's potentially Terrible. less games for 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 us as well in terms of income and revenue, and obviously a game to watch and enjoy. Um, we play Bolton and Berry a similar time as well, don't we? So, you know, if they both went out of the league, we'd have a bit of a gap there. We'd have a Christmas with no football, wouldn't yeah. we? I think they're both Christmas games. So um, that wouldn't be ideal. I mean, I can't see Bolton going from everything you read. They kind of get their takeover done eventually once. But then that Balsini um, guy then put an injunction well, in to try and take over the club. He just seems a bit of a, a fruit he's loop. Mental, isn't he? It just shows you, you know, we've got these kind of people, you know, we've got, on one extreme, we've got people like Ronald Winchley and Andy Holt from Accrington Stanley, who's very vocal on these kind of topics. And, you know, they are, they see themselves as custodians. And I was reading a great article about Delia Smith and what they've been doing there as well. And they see themselves as custodians as well. And then you get these absolute lunatics that get involved in football um, for, for potentially personal gain, um, rather than yeah maybe them doing it for the right reasons. But yeah, um, but that led to a really good question um, on Twitter, um, Glenn, didn't it? Yeah, I saw that. So Tim Lawrence, uh, who's Tim Lawrence eighty nine on Twitter, um, he asked us the question: What do you think you would personally do if Town ever went bust like Barry might? Would you follow another team? Would you fall out of love with club football altogether? Or would you try to form a Phoenix club? I mean, I I, I answered this on Twitter and then deleted it because I thought I might as well answer it on the podcast. But to me, obviously, you know, anyone listens to the pod again, I obviously get involved in the supporters parliament and, you know, the supporters team that I'm trying to bring back this year and, and lots of, you know, umbrella groups and all sorts of things that we've done as part of, of Shrewsbury Town Football Club in terms of community. And I 100%, you know, know that there are a good 20 to 30 town fans who'd be passionate enough to start a Phoenix club, much like Hereford, Chester, Telford. Um, and I'd want to be as big a part of that as I possibly could. I wouldn't want to let football in this town die. I desperately crave having a local team. I couldn't go and support Hormond or you know someone local like Shawbury or something. Um, even though obviously Sean Evans is there, who's a, one of our podcast uh, friends, isn't he? But I'd want my Shrewsbury club, and I'd want Shrewsbury Town of some form to exist. So I'd be all about a fingers club. I'd be trying to be a part of it as much as possible. I'd be putting money into it. I'd be helping fundraise. I'd be doing as much as possible. I'd probably have a second job. <laughs> yeah, for me it would be it would be um, traumatic. Um, yeah, harrowing. Um, I think I'd probably would fall out of love for a bit, um, and yeah, uh, you know, in terms of like deeply have quite be quite upset about it. I think you know, knowing how important the club is and how much you kind of your how much enjoyment you get from following your football team, I think I'd definitely kind of get enjoyed in kind of like a Phoenix team or something like that. Um, but yeah, fingers crossed, we never get into this this space. And while you know, I would advocate stricter rules and you know clubs shouldn't be able to overspend and they should be punished for this it gets really complex because like like berry i've mentioned before um adam who's one of my friends from uni is a big berry fan and his sister hannah um is you know she was on bbc um, manchester a few times um she was actually one of the people that she did um the berry twitter feed before people were doing twitter feeds 
Oh, okay. And so they're heavily involved in the club, and you know, to, I know them really well, and you know, like almost linking to the emotions we're just sharing. While Barry have yes overspent, um, and you know, I'm sure some of the teams in League Two are not very happy about you know their promotion. Um, at the end of the day, you've got a bunch of fans, and you see some of the tweets and some of the comments. You know, little kids saying, "Daddy, why aren't we going to watch Barry today?" Sad, That's pretty yeah. harrowing yeah. and pretty heartbreaking for these little kids that you know are starting to love get love their local football team. It does split me as a sort of par- impartial fan, really, Ollie. That, like, part of me really feels for fans of football clubs that are in yeah. this trouble. You know, I, even Hereford and Chester when they went through it, you feel for their fans. Um, you know that they've gone through these things. You know, Bury not the first club to potentially be having to reform a Phoenix club and start from the bottom. You know, look at FC Wimbledon, but uh, in various different reasons, I suppose as well for that, not just crazy owners. But there's also part of me that feels like there is a need for something to happen that forces the FL to bring in better regulation of owners and football clubs and it might be unfortunately Bury is the sacrificial lamb and in some respects you, you'd hope that it would force change the worst thing to happen would be if Bury went and Bolton went and the FL just carry on their merry way with you know a fit and proper person test that they don't fully implement you know that you know it seems pointless and it's it, also to, to pointless even have that as test well. you're kind of basically predicting someone's act, um, attitude and behaviours at a later date so it's not really doesn't really work and it only really stops criminal stops someone who's yeah banned from being director has got a criminal record and that kind of thing so it doesn't say that you know they're going to come in and like the the previous berry owner you know had put mortgages upon mortgages on the football club uh, you know he passed the fit and proper test and yeah i think that there needs to be hopefully this can be a catalyst for some good and hopefully berry don't go out of existence um, hopefully they can have something and hopefully they don't get in the situation again i think it's worth saying glenn i think if we were going down this route i think as a podcast um we'd be you know pretty vocal um and you know i think i'm not saying that very fans or bolton fans haven't been vocal but you know you i think it just shows how important and look at the blackpool fans you know you really need to be active and you know i saw newcastle fans do a little boycott of um, of their their grain gain today. You know you have to make big changes and big sacrifices, and you know to make the change happen. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think we've got a fan base that would would keep a new owner if you started to be a bit mad, honest enough that you know you've got a, a podcast, you've got uh, fanzines, you've got. But it's nothing you, know, you can lo- do. Do you want to start? No, there's nothing stuff. you can do. I completely agree with it's you. Really, fun. and that's where I think for me one of my kind of solutions would be that I think clubs should be like charity statuses. You know, you should be like a hybrid between because they're not a, yeah. they're not a brand. You know, I work for a branded biscuit company. You know, if you don't like what Mavitis are doing, you can go and buy Fox's biscuits, or you can go and buy you know Borders biscuits or something else. You know, fake Jaffa cakes from yeah, Lidl. Exactly. I'm not sure that really works, Ollie. You go and buy something else. <laughs> but of a football club, you know, you're not going to start support. You're not going to start supporting Rochdale or start supporting no, Ipswich no. or something, are you? You're going to you support your local team. So for me, I think there should be something that where clubs get protected. So, you know, so you can't sell off assets and like stadiums and things like that. So I think there's definitely lots of things that can be done. Um, and fingers crossed I mean, it will happen. I doubt it, though. See, I doubt it. No, I doubt it as well. Because I, I am con- Turkey's voting for Christmas. It is a little bit, isn't it? I mean, yeah, it's good that we've got chairman of Vocal on Twitter now and give you a bit more of the behind-the-scenes stuff. And we don't hear anything from Roden, really. I have no idea I'm where he's views him, on no. any of this. Yeah, that, that's fine. There are a lot of chairmen like that. But you get McCantney from Peterborough, who gives a bit of an insight. Yeah, he's great when he talks about the loan fees and things like that, doesn't he? He gives an insight yeah. into these kind of things. But all I was trying to say about fans is that my, my view is that, having seen the sorts of things going on in football now, it, whoever Roden Witchley sells his football club to, unless it was like 
I don't know, someone I knew and I knew was honest at heart. Maybe the people that run Shropshire Homes, for example, you know, a local businessman that would be doing it for the right reasons. If it's if he sold it to some Chinese consortium or like some people from a, uh, somewhere in the world that wouldn't, you wouldn't think know anything about Shrewsbury Town, my initial view of them would be one million percent scepticism yeah, as to what the hell they're doing with our football club. Because, yeah. And I... I would need I would need lots of evidence and proof as to what the hell's going on with this football club before I even gave them the time of the day as a, as a fan personally and I think that's what most fans should do now you treat whoever buys this football club after Roland goes and it might be within the next 10 years with a healthy degree of scepticism and and we keep any new owners we ever have as honest as we possibly can so we know that there's a line in the sand to say these are the things we expect and don't expect and we don't expect you to start paying 15 grand out for a player in league 1 because we know where that leads to and we don't want it as fans yeah. that's what fans need to do they don't need to be what Bury fans would do and thinking oh yeah we're spending all this money and we might be on to a winner here and, and kind of being naive in some respects maybe that's a little bit harsh I think yeah we don't know what, what how they were responding and stuff yeah, at the exactly, time exactly. but I think yeah I think and turning it back to Shrewsbury one of the yeah. things that's frustrating is you see I remember like when we tried to sign a player Darlington signed them and then look where they are now and I just feel yeah, exactly. I just get quite upset that um, that Shrewsbury Town have been run the right way and then hopefully we will get our kind of rewards for, for being run correctly. But yeah, yeah interesting just, discussion, which is I'm sure is I going to roll on um, over the next few years until something actually happens. I just wanted to make a couple of recommendations, really, for people who, who are on Twitter that might want to follow some accounts about it. Yeah. There's a there's a guy called Peter Taylor who's yeah. at Bury Me in Exile. Um, he does a lot of, obviously, being a Bury fanzine, I think. he, he um, He's also a freelance uh, writer as well now. But he does some really interesting stuff on the Bury, the situation. He keeps you up to date, and it's quite entertaining, actually. But it, it's a really good account for following what's going on at Bury, I find. Um, but also, about the EFL and the issues they've been having, you know, we can go back and talk about the Exchequer trade or whatever it is now, the leasing.com trophy or whatever the hell it's called. Um, but yeah, there's there's um, against League 3 and also the Ugly Game as well, which covers the sort of you know EFL issues that there can be at time. And there's some really good Twitter accounts now, you know, giving honest and, and sort of revealing things as to what the hell's going on at the EFL sometimes. So yeah, just a couple of recommendations for me, Ollie. Yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. So yeah, we've talked a lot. It's been a long pod. <laughs> um, so yeah, should we close off with some some predictions? Um, so yeah, let's go off. straight into so, it. Um, just first of all, Glenn, I hope you're enjoying your mug. Oh yes, I did. So yeah, we haven't really covered it. I did win the predictions by a bit of a country mile last year, and Ollie got me um, a uh, a uh, CFAX uh, mug, didn't you? With what was on it, Ollie? It was a, a, a famous game where Grandison <laughs> scored a screamer. <laughs> It was uh, it was one of his it was a Notts County game wasn't it yeah. I think or was it the Accrington game I can't remember which one it was now yeah it was out it's in my front room I was using it before um, but yeah it's obviously got Grandison and his goal scored on it so there we go I've got a, a Grandison related mug for all time now Ollie so I do appreciate that it was good to get good to get something rather than a hat or a scarf we're yeah. gonna have to be a bit more interested about our prizes for the prediction competition so yeah we start here for the fourth prediction competition so I'm two one up overall Ollie so you've got a bit of work to do this season but um, we shall start with Rochdale at home we've been very positive all throughout this podcast are you continuing that theme yeah I think I think um, I think and we'll get a good result this weekend but uh, yeah as you said you won by country mile I'll let you go first <laughs> uh, I'm going to go for us to win I'm going to go for us to win 1-0 okay yeah I, I I I suspect that well you know well Rochdale have had a decent start of the season they've got four points yeah um, but I've got a feeling that everything's going to kind of come together um, I'm going to go for a 2-0 prediction to Shrewsbury Town okay okay well there we go that would be handy wouldn't it getting yeah. another win in there but we've, we've got a few games coming up recently obviously we've got a cup game in the week we should briefly mention our first chance to have a go back at Rotherham after they beat us in the player final so um, yeah we've got the, the Football League FA Cup first round and, and I suspect we'll play a, maybe a slightly weakened team in that game Ollie do you think yeah I'd expect a little bit of rotation a few players come, coming in um, yeah maybe Faye starts maybe Adoy starts and 
yeah, I'd expect a few changes for that, so that'll be an interesting one. And then, obviously, yeah, back in the league on, on Saturday. Mm. And in terms of the next few weeks, I'm obviously for the podcast, just for everyone listening, I'm going to pretty much every game. So I'm going to the Rotherham uh, Cup game at home. I'm going to be going to Rochdale at home on the Saturday. I'm then going to be going to Stanley away on the Tuesday night, which should be an interesting one. And then we've got Burn at home on the 24th of August, which I'm going to go to. And I've already got my tickets and train travel and overnight accommodation booked for the last game in August, which is our friends at Ipswich Town. So, yeah, I've got five games in a row now, Ollie, which should be good fun. Cool, yeah, I'm definitely going to this Saturday um, try and go to Stanley away, definitely at yeah. Burn, and I'm going to Ipswich as well. I brought my train tickets um, on the stuff. day that the fixtures came out. So, yeah, I think Ipswich away should be a good one. I'm sure a lot of people are making that trip. Good stuff, and lots to look forward to, I think. I, I, you know, can't be can't be negative yet. We've seen a lot of positives, and, um, yeah, it's, it's starting to see like a new dawn a little bit, isn't it? So, yeah, thanks for everyone for listening this week. It's been a, been a big one, but a lot of lot of to unpack about quite what's going on this season, and I think we'll be doing that for the next three or four weeks, won't we, Ollie? But, um, yeah, cheers for listening, and we will, shall catch you all next week. Cheers, guys. Oh!